We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome into the So Rare Andrews podcast brought to you by Rotowire. I am Andrew Laird, joined as always by Andy Black this week to talk about the U23 purge. Andy, we saw this coming. Yeah, we sure did. We uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit. We thought that there might be maybe some potential <clears throat> issues with the way that it was implemented. And sure enough, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Um so to recap a little bit, today is July 1st, and today is when the U23 eligibility transfers over. So anybody who is 23 after today is eligible for U23 contests. Simple enough, right, Andy? Should be easy. Should be easy. So with that said, there you've been able to use 24-year-olds in uh, U23 up until today, because they were technically 23 last July 1st. So tomorrow is the deadline for the next game week. What are we on? 180, 181, something like that. 180. And so you shouldn't be able to use 24-year-olds in U23 anymore, but some people have been able to because they submitted their lineups early this week when these guys were still before July 1st. Did you set your lineups early? No. And if I would have just not destroyed my lineups from last week, I'd be in great shape. So I have so many great 24-year-olds that I don't get to use this week. And it makes me really sad that I have to compete against people that are using 24-year-old players. And like it's the competitive balance is completely broken and um, – it's it's such a big it's such a big like oversight from from the team in my mind like I get they didn't want to destroy all the lineups and force everybody to remake lineups but um it, they had 24 hours notice on this they they people would have had all day to to fix their lineups um, they said that like not everybody is on Discord well they have the in game announcements they can put it out on Twitter. If they wanted to communicate it, they could email everyone. There's ways to communicate things. There's ways to notify users of, you know, a mistake or a change and to just roll it out where, um, in, in a way where you have the competitive balance completely broken in a game that people are playing for money. 
is bad and it's it's a bad precedent to set and and uh this was probably the most disappointed i've i've been and i was quiet about it i i I think i made one comment that yeah this is disappointing but probably the biggest biggest mistake oversight um thing that's upset me upset me the most on the platform yeah like i don't want to say that this is going to sound weird, but I, I don't want to say that we we warned them because we didn't. We said it on this podcast, but there was never a point where I went into Discord and was like, hey, can you confirm this is what's going to happen? Part of me thinks they wouldn't have known, at least last week when we talked about this. It was literally a week ago that we talked about this. And I would think that they need to know how how their application is going to handle that cutover. I, I think they should know. But I think a week ago they wouldn't have known. That doesn't. But that would have given them time to figure it out because we had the weekend that we, we did this before the game week last weekend, and so the current this this game week wouldn't have been open anyway. There was also the we kind of joked about it that there were going to be rewards in U twenty three last week that were never going to be usable because they were giving out twenty four year olds. Yeah, turns out. You did get a week if you set your line your lineups early. Yeah. Um, but even then, I feel like so much of the pushback on game week dates is about how we want to set our lineups as late as possible. Yeah. And now we're we're rewarding people who set them as early as possible. I mean, it's, it, they're not like going out of their way to reward them. I don't want to say that, but right. super. But it, it is a heck of a reward for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to think that there's some laziness associated with it. Um, I mean, obviously they didn't know they didn't know how that transition was going to work. Be- otherwise, they would have they would have fixed it, or they would have announced it, or maybe they maybe they did know. I don't know. But I mean, I, I messaged one of their team members yesterday, yesterday or the day before, and just asked like, "Hey, you guys going to you know announce anything or say anything about the?" And um, uh. I don't want to really get into the response, but they said that they were going to announce something today. And I was like, Oh, okay. So it sounds like they have a handle on this and clearly they, they didn't. And they really dropped the ball on this one. I'm super disappointed. Well, what was, what I was disappointed about with the announcement was one, the initial one said they're okay for this week, but yeah. the new rule will apply for game week 181, which is midweek next week. Right. I, I don't see, I don't understand why I'm feeling passionately about this, but I felt passionately that that was wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to use 24 year old players after July 1st. I was willing to accept that like the game week was open early. And if that's the case, like, okay, I get it. Let it happen. But this whole, like some people can like the fact that there are two people who have, who could have the same card, but different serial numbers and the, the person who submitted their lineup on Tuesday can use it. And the one who didn't do it before then is out is nuts. Yeah. The whole imbalance of it is just infuriating. Um, again, it's one week I'll get over it and we'll move on. But, uh, and then I, I think that the announcement of it today that they recognized that it was an issue, um, was just like so nonchalant and it's like, you know, this is actually kind of a big deal. And for them to just brush it off as like, uh, oh, whoops, 
whoopsie. It, it was like, come on. <laughs> this is a big deal. Yeah, I think it's a big deal short term. Long term, I, I don't care. And they'll figure out how to fix it for next year. Great. But just didn't like the way it was handled. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, I don't want to say it's a problem, but one of the issues that I think SoRare has sometimes is they focus, they want us to focus so much on the game. And there's a lot of money involved. And the amount of money almost doesn't matter. Like, you know, sometimes a few hundred dollars or pounds, euros is a lot of money to some people in this game. And, you know, if you saved up enough and you're like, oh, I'm going to save up enough so I can play so rare or other people who have lots of disposable income and play, but like there's money involved. And so like this whole like, oh, it's only a week. I agree. But like some people, I don't want to say like some people need this money, but like people play this game sometimes to really make money and they're kind of losing an opportunity here. Well, and then there's people that planned this out and they they knew that this was coming and they didn't purchase guys like Kikuchi or Chris, Chris Mueller or whoever that got purged. And then this week they were like, ooh, this is when I start to take advantage of the, the players that I purchased. And it's like, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, One more week of you getting screwed. Right, right. So I kept going back and forth kind of in my mind of like what they could have done notification wise. And I think they put an alert up on the site on SoRare.com. I don't know if they would have done that had a bunch of people in Discord responded like, do you realize how many people are not on Discord? Yeah. Because that's kind of where the announcement was. That's where most of the announcements are. But it actually reminded me that I was complaining last week about how when you sell a card, uh, instead not the not if it's like a direct offer, but like if you have a card on the secondary market and it sells, the first notification you get is that your, well for me at least in this in- instance, my training lineup was now invalid, and I thought to myself, what a terrible experience this is that like I put a card out for sale, it sells, and they're like, by the way, you need to check training lineup number sixteen because it's not. It's not valid anymore. Like there's no notification that I sold the card yet, blah, blah, blah. Right. But that's exactly what came into my mind today when everyone was like, well, how are they supposed to notify? And it's like, that's how you notify. Your yeah. U23 lineup is no longer valid because you have a 24-year-old. And I mean, they can also email people too. They have, they, they send out emails for announcements like French players have entered, you know. Right. So uh yeah, that bothers me. Uh, Masaki, I think is how you pronounce it. She made a pretty good comment here. They yep. should have validated any lineups with non-U23 players and sent out notifications regarding Yeah, uh, Any managers who didn't come on to rectify shouldn't have been able to use those players anyways. Well said. Perfect. Yeah. I. It seems easy enough for me. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Well, we can move on from this, but as you can tell, I, I was very frustrated, disappointed, and, and all that. I just remembered that I was going to bring some sort of pitchfork prop and I forgot. Yeah, you, Man. you missed the opportunity. Yeah, we'll have to get angry about something else next yeah. time. So were you prepared for the U23 purge? Um, have you I been mean, preparing for it? Sort of, but I mean, I noticed I noticed today that I'm not as prepared as I, I could have been. <laughs> but I'm prepared for the, the U23 period 
end of once end of July rolls around. I'll have I'll have a couple of weeks here where I'm ineffective. Uh, and I shouldn't say ineffective. I'll still have good lineups, but uh, I, I I won't have the um, optimal plays that I have purchased and prepared for. But I'll have because a lot of them are either Argentinian or Mexican, so uh, I, I need Liga MX and the Argentinian league to be playing. So once those get going, I'll I'll be a much happier person. <laughs> <laughs> are there? Did you look to see how many? Uh, now former U23 players that you had, meaning recently former, that you have purchased purchased recently or these guys that you've had for a while? Most of them are guys that I've had for a while, like yeah. since last season or whatever. Uh, but, uh, and I didn't, really, I didn't have those guys in my plans for like this game week. So again, it's like not the end of the world, but mm-hmm. you know, just again, the inequity of this week. <laughs> I think not having the Euro seasons going is a plus for them. And that's probably why the date is set as it is like during the off season so that we, we don't have our pitchforks out when, or we won't have them out when Mbappe turns 24. Right. The, I just wonder, so I guess we, we talked about this or you and I have talked about this, but, we were like, I wonder if prices will go down when people realize that a lot of these guys are not going to be 20, 20, under 23 anymore. Yeah. Do you think that's been happening or are people actually getting like today or not today or yes today, sort of today, unless they set their lineups. But do you think we'll actually see a drop in these prices uh, specifically because these guys are no longer U23 eligible? I, I think it's a combination of like three factors. So I think it is priced in a little bit. So I think it's already priced in a little bit. I think once the U23 sticker goes away, then it'll get priced in a little bit more because people really notice it then. Yeah. Um, because people are planning for it now and they know. There's people that are not really planning and don't really know, um, but they will know when the U23 sticker is gone. And then also form plays a part too. You know, Like if a guy is still scoring really well, uh, it might matter a little bit, but if he's still scoring well, he's still usable. He's still going to be great and, and play well in, in uh, um, SO5 tournaments, whether it's regional or all-star division. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I think it's also a little difficult to look at the market now and make any sort of declarations just because the market is kind of, we're in a dead period sort of in, the soccer calendar, it's, you know, July 1st. And, so <laughs> service made a good point. Goalkeepers obviously kind of are the outlier there. They're, they're going to be affected by this the most and their prices will be affected by this the most. Right. Since there are like five of them anyway, worldwide, but right. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, so the, have you been selling guys who are about to lose it? No, nah, I, I just, couple, couple of things there. Like uh, I don't, I don't like to like maybe exploit that or take advantage of that. But also I, I think, it, like I said, I think it's kind of priced in. I think people, people know this. So it's not like, not like I'm getting some big edge by selling a, a 24 year old guy that's about to lose U23 in three days. You know, like I don't think that you're, you're going to get any more or much more now than you would in three days. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, I, 
was telling you before that most of my U23 guys are not losing their U23 eligibility. I've done that completely on purpose for two reasons. The first is the guys who, a lot of the guys who are losing U23 eligibility are some of the best U23s around and therefore yep. are priced way out of where I could have gotten them. So that helped me. I, I'm not buying Mbappe. I'm not buying Kikuchi. And so that forced me to buy younger guys who were cheaper. So now I'm here. I got like, oh, the Davies. Here we go. Well, yeah, Davies, although that was early. I, I actually don't, like, not that I don't count that I bought a Davies card, but it was like anything before, you know, the whatever that boom was, February. March, April. Yeah. Like, I just, that doesn't count. And so I just got lucky. Okay. There was no foresight on that one. It was just, I just happened to be early. So that one, um, Joe Felix, I'll actually take blame for, but Davies, <laughs> I can't take credit for. But anyway, so that didn't like change much for my U23s. And I have a bunch that I probably don't, you know, I won't play because U23 is kind of like where is the easiest place where you can take like long shot bets on these guys because if they're not good at 17, that doesn't mean they're not going to be good at 24. Right. And as much as we all want to believe that so rare is going to be around forever, like that's where you say, Oh, I can get 10 years of utility out of this guy. And if he only is a starter for seven years, that's perfectly fine. But I wonder how many people are drastically changing what they do because now they like, if you have been playing U 23, for the past calendar year. I don't even want to look at beyond that, but like if you have no guys left, don't you presumably think you'd want to get back in? Certainly. Yeah. And there will be uh, people that realize, you know, Oh man, I'm, I'm missing a midfielder or defender or whatever. Um, or, you know, I knew I had a midfielder, but now I don't have a D three defender or D three midfielder D three extra or whatever. There, there may be, people that realize, Hey, I'm missing, missing a piece. Um, or they didn't realize one of their players was turning 20, you know, was 24 or whatever and won't be U 23 anymore. So there's certainly going to be people, um, purchasing those, those players here in the next few weeks. And we'll probably probably, that will probably be noticeable. Um, there's like, there were a couple of guys that I was, I was watching that are remaining U 23 players and I have noticed their prices slowly crawling up. Um, but also they're in form right now. Like jo Georgie Mihalovic, uh, is my saying that even close to being right? Close enough, yeah. But he, he he's, I think, had a decisive in his last two games, over 60, 70 points. And his prices have climbed up over the last three weeks. But which one is it? Is it because he's U23 for a couple more years? Or is it because he's playing well right now? Right. I don't know. Both. Both, right, yeah. Uh, I was looking, who did I, oh, Cole Bassett was the one I was looking at that he's yeah. also, uh, I think he's 19 or 20. Yeah, he's super young. Super young, but, and he kind of profiles similarly to Mihalovic because they're young, they're kind of decisive dependent, but they've been getting them recently. And so his price is kind of creeping up as well. Do you think we see like a huge rush to U23 European players uh, as we get closer to the, I mean, we're you know, six weeks away, basically from the big European league starting, we have, you know, we're two or three weeks away from the other America, you know, Mexico and Argentina and Brazil or Brazil is actually still going. So 
what uh do you think we're gonna like the U, there's gonna be a huge u23 premium because everybody lost their guys I think people will rush more into the J League, K League, and MLS U23 players because they're that, those are going to be the ones that they realize like, oh, I don't have a team right now. I need to go buy somebody and use them now. So I think that that's more, that's more likely to happen. And as that happens, they may plan for down the road and maybe start to buy some of those European players. But I don't think that we'll see a big rush for the European U23s right okay. this moment. Right, right, right. So I'm going to run by a strategy that I've tried to do, trying to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure it's going to work because I haven't actually been able to implement it yet. But a lot of the purchases and trades that I made at the end of the European season were for U23 players. Yeah. Do I have any chance of competing in, let's call it Challenger Europe, just with U23 players? Sure. If they're good U23 players. And in fact, you might get, you might get some scenarios where like you're the only one playing a particular U23 player. Maybe you're not the only one, but if you're playing five um, U23 players in challenger Europe, you're going to have a very unique lineup that, Mm -hmm. you know, isn't canceled out by, by other, other people. So yeah, I think that you could have some advantages there, but also, I think I think too the best and most cost-effective U23 players don't really play in Europe. They play in, in my opinion, they play in the weaker leagues. Um, you know, you look at, and I, I should not say Europe because I think Eredivisie, Belgian league, kind of are weaker leagues. I, would, I mean, they're challenger Europe leagues. Sure. Um, kind of same with the Portuguese league. I don't, I don't find there to be a ton of value in picking up champion Europe U23s and playing them in U23. Um, and I think that I think a lot of people would probably agree that with that from a cost-effective standpoint. You can pick up a similar player for a heck of a lot less than Mbappe. Um, you know, similar in quotations. You're, you know, you're not scoring as well as him, but you can get a really good U23 forward for you know, a hundred X less than what you're paying for Mbappe. <laughs> and that's probably a bad example, but you look at other guys like Donnarama and goal. I, I don't even know what he costs right now. Probably a couple of ETH, but you can go get David Ochoa, um, not to compare the two players at all or even their scores. Um, but Hey, it's, it's a goalie. And we kind of, you know, our opinion on goalies is have a goalie. Um, don't not have a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you make a really good point, though, that I, I don't want to say that every U23 goalie is the same. But they might all be the same. And if they're the same-ish, don't pay 10x more than you can get another guy. Well, I mean, there's a couple J League uh, goalkeepers that are, you know, way above the rest. I think it's Tani and is it Tani and Oki? They both score really, really well. Um, and such disrespect to Go Hitano, man. Come on. Uh, he's been hot too the last, uh, he's been hot Tano the last few weeks, I guess. But uh, <laughs> that's awful. Um, yeah, I mean, those guys are such a fraction of what, like, a champion Euro, like, uh, what does Alvin LaFont cost right now? Um, 
I don't know, but you can get, I think, all these guys for, for less. And if your plan is to just play them in U23, why why buy the Champion Euro one? I guess in a year you can use them in Champion Euro or two years, whatever. I mean, that's kind of a weird plan, though, to buy them for U23 now and then use them in Champion Europe later. I guess it's a plan, though. I guess it makes a little bit of sense. Well, the and you're basically needing cover for when the J League is over, the you know the early part of the calendar. Yeah, that's fair. But then again, yeah. I mean, you can also just buy two goalies, and then you have you know a Belgian U23 keeper too. Yes. Yep. That makes sense. But yeah, so pretty much like my challenger team that I'm expecting to play in in Division Four this year is three. Most likely three, but potentially four U23s, not including a goalie. Like I have an old goalie, you know, old meaning not U23. And then, yeah, I have a few guys that I can, a few older players I can play. But I just felt like we keep talking about the reason why U23 players are so great is because they have this extra utility that you, everyone's like, oh, you can play them in U23. And it's like, yes, but you can play them wherever you want at that point. Yeah. And that's kind of why I decided to, prioritize them at that point. And I just wonder if that was a good idea or if I'm just going to end up being short because the U23 players actually aren't as good as what I'll get in, you know, just paying up for guys who are older. I don't know. I think you gave yourself some good flexibility there too, where, you know, if you want to pop those guys over into U23, you can, if you want to play them in challenger, you can. Um, I think, uh, flexibility is always a nice thing to have. And, you know, you win some rewards, some more challenger players that kind of you can fit into that lineup, then you can take them, the U23 ones and mix them over into your U23 lineup. So I just, I, I don't think it's a bad plan as long as you have have some kind of strategy in mind that you want to work with to maybe evolve them back into U23 somehow. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh Sam Rifkin's asking over and over again, and I felt bad that I was uh, ignoring of who these guys are that I bought. Um, unfortunately, some of them are are leaving Challenger Europe, but I can still obviously play them in U23. But pretty much um, the guys that I was building around were uh, Lukanga. I got a Yari Versharen, Malasia from, where is he? PSV, AZ, Alkmar. I get those mixed up. Yeah. Julian Alvarez, Rio Hatate. I've got Jao Mario. I have two Chris Durkin cards, which is more embarrassing than, than anything else. Uh, I've got Sean's boy, uh, Melly Muhlenstein. And all of this is dependent on uh, Luis Maximiano st- finding a new job because yeah. he was not the starter last year at Sporting. And there are articles every day about a new place he could go. And somebody was like, well, where do you want him to go? And I was like, I literally do not care. I just need him to go somewhere else. Aren't there a lot of rumors about him going to the uh, Italian league? Yes. And I don't know if that helped. Like somebody was like, oh, I think it was uh, Udinese maybe or. Yeah. And they were like, well, is that good? And I was like, if he starts, it's, that's, it's all I care about. I really well, it's don't. not good if you're trying to make a challenger team. Well, I can't use him. I have a challenger goalie. I have a. Uh, Butez from Antwerp. So like okay. that, that I'm okay with, but I need Maximiano and Hatano to be my U23 goalies. But like, okay. 
that I think that's the hardest thing with talking to people who want to get into U23. Oh, for sure. Because it's it's U23 is the best opportunity if you're somebody who like really likes to research and like dive in and like find gems. Obviously, yeah. you want the guys who are going to be 17, 18, 19, and you can get, you know, your trademark 10 years of utility out of them. But the goalkeeper is so tough. And and even, even backup goalies who are young aren't cheap. Yeah. And so even if you decide like, well, I'll, I'll go out and get this guy, there's no guarantee he starts forever. <laughs> guys yeah. are career backups. You just never know. And so the that's the hardest part about U23 is the goalie. And For sure. Yeah, they're expensive. I mean, we did a – I think the first – podcast we did together was just about goalkeepers and we didn't even talk about the fact that it was u23 but the if you ever need like the clearest sign of scarcity in this game look at how many u23 goalies there are and there's your answer of why they're so expensive yeah and and they are for sure the ones that you see the biggest like price differences on like i i had that van ash card and you know it was pretty good card when he was mid season last year and you could use him in U23, but um, I think his value is pretty much plummeted at this point where it's like, I guess he's just another challenger goalie for me. I was just, I say he's just another challenger goalie, Yeah, um, but it, I mean, he was, and you know, it's tough to price it, but I think if he was still U23, he'd be at least twice, if not three times more expensive than he is right now. Yeah. And even if it was just one more year, um, mm-hmm it'd be a whole year that you could use them. But. Right. That's why, uh, oh, Quinny just won a Van Osh. Yeah, nice. Quinny, was that in a U23 competition? <laughs> just curious because, man, that's that's a bummer. But that's yeah. why, like, Van de Voort is so expensive. Uh, right. Because, I mean, not only does he play on, like, one of the better teams in Belgium, but he's 18 years old. Yeah, and he's so. projected to be great. Yeah, and he's U23 for like five more years. Right, right. Combination of all those things. Right. Years per dollar, I guess he makes the most <laughs> sense of anyone else. I but. guess. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wow. Tenth and D3. Oh, so U23, that's brutal, man. Sorry to hear. Oh, that is so brutal. So brutal. So that was the other thing. Like, I assume I didn't look at the prize pools, but I assume that there are still 24-year-olds in the U23 prize pool. I don't know. I didn't look. Do I dare to look? It won't take us very long. I don't think to just do a quick skim. I just, I mean, we thought that was a problem last week. (laughs) It was. It for sure was. The, the the bummer about that is I've like long said that not that you should prioritize what you play based on what you win, but I kind of think yeah, you should are, do that. By the way, there are 24-year-olds still in the prize pool. I see De La Cruz right off the top, so – and Kikuchi. That's disappointing. Frank Kessie has been 24. Oh, there are no, none left. <laughs> They've rewarded all those already. Man. Uh, somebody else in chat here, David, said he got a Mueller a couple weeks ago. I actually, a couple weeks, that's that's not bad. Yeah, especially I mean, if you're able to squeeze them in this week. Right. I mean, if, at some point, like, you, they, they can't just, like, stop giving out 24-year-olds early. I mean, I guess they could, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I think up until, I guess, this week, um, I understand. I certainly understand the frustration, but you're right. They can't just like stop rewarding them. Like they're in the, they're U23 still up until July 1st. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that is frustrating to win one of those, but I don't, don't feel like there's much they can do about it Mm -hmm. or whether they, or if they should do anything about it. I don't think they should. I don't think there's anything we can do about it. It seems like the response to what happened this week with the tournaments though. Yeah. For sure. Like, I get it, but, ah, oh, man, it just, I don't know. The ironic thing is that I don't even have a U23 lineup this week. Can't even enter. And yet, here I am. Uh, here I am. What is this? 0.5, yeah. Derek Etienne Jr. this week for Bob Flynn. Man, he's gone for Cobra, for uh, the Gold Cup, too, now. I just read. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be Gold Cup. I mean, I know we're talking U23 purge. Gold, Gold Cup is uh, is be a good topic for next next week um, because Gold Cup is going to really throw um, a wrench into a lot of plans for people in MLS or Champion America. Just actually, so rare as a whole, all of your SO5 is going to wreck it. My favorite thing about the Gold Cup is that I now have a U23 goalkeeper. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Hassel or Hassel? I, I bought, yeah, Hassel earlier this week. Nice. Anybody who, I mean, obviously people who play so rare are listening or watching this podcast. So I made an offer to uh, Powell, Pavel, and he accepted it like right away. It was a an ETH offer. And I was just like, oh my God, did I just grossly overpay for this card? Because like, I don't think I've ever had a one and done with him. But Hazel's sorry, were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, I think if he automatically accepts it first time, you probably overpaid a little bit. 
part of me thought was part of my thought was like he probably gets so many here are my 85 cards for your one and if if it's just eth he's just like okay yeah it's close enough i'll take it because yep. i don't you know valuing time yeah you're you're probably right on that he i mean at some point he's got to liquidate this this stuff and turn it into eth so um if you're if you're close on eth he's probably gonna probably gonna take it but i don't right. deal with him a lot and i know a lot of other people do so they probably have uh hacks that they use on a uh, uh, pile all the time <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'll be honest though i kind of get that feeling every time i have a an offer accepted and yeah. I think most of the deals I've made have been through Discord, so there's some back and forth. But the, yeah, the the offer sent, the direct offer sent to somebody not on Discord and right accepted. It's like, oh gosh, I definitely, I, something uh, wrong. Quinny said he got a hassle super rare for 0.15 23 days ago. Oh, that's too close to what I paid for a rare to. <laughs> And Mike, Mike says that uh, he should get a Freeze Matthew for the Gold Cup period. Yeah, Freeze Matthew's a great player. Would you rather have Freeze Matthew or Matt Freeze? Definitely Freeze Matthew. I love that that error went, went by for an entire year and either nobody said anything or they just didn't care. Uh, one of the two. Um, but that, that error just like went, went through and nobody – I mean, it's a backup keeper, so I just think nobody really, nobody really cared enough to say anything. I like that the current card says Matt too. It's not even Matthew. So they, it's just like a whole, a totally different guy to them. It's not even a correction, just a new guy that yeah. Philly signed. But yeah, Matt Freeze should, was expected to be the starter in Philly now that uh, Andre Blake, or not now, but when Andre Blake goes to the Gold Cup, which is soon. That, I think that's the hardest thing is everybody was like, well, did so-and-so get called up, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we actually don't care if they get, I mean, we obviously care if we, they get called up, but the important thing was like, when are they leaving? Right. And we obviously have a game week that starts in 11-ish hours. Yeah. And we're still trying to find out who's going. Kevin Molino, we just found out, is already gone. Yeah. Which is like, what? Yeah. In my mind. And then and there, there was other guys too I was reading about that uh, – uh, had left early. I'll have to dig through and Jonathan and, Dos Santos and yeah. uh, Efrain Alvarez, the Mexico team. And then didn't what I didn't what Polito I go or, or something? But Polito got, got called, but he's hurt. Yeah, he's got a foot laceration or something. Right. So Costa Ricans, Quinny brought this up. So Ronald Matarita is gone. Yeah. And there was somebody else from Cincinnati who went with him. But Randall Leal got called, but is only going for the group stage, which they're not in yet. So he's actually going to play this weekend. So you right. can't even go by like the Federation. I didn't even know you could do that. Right. But then it's CONCACAF. And I'm like, I have to remember that CONCACAF, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, boy, we went off the rails there. Although I think Leal was a U23 until a few, until today, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you submitted your lineup yesterday. I'm gonna, I was going to, did you get him I'm in? Gonna keep, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, Leal's price has been tanking. I think part of it is that he was gone for – he missed some games because of the Costa Rica. Oh, well, he came out – and I mentioned this, you know, podcast a few weeks ago. He came out super hot. Like, he mm -hmm. had 100. He had a game in the 80s. And it was one of the cards that I so tried to sell the top on. And uh, 
he's come back down to earth a little bit. And I, but also I think prices are him coming down to earth and also his U23 badge is going away. So uh, again, I think it's just, a, we're seeing combinations of, of factors there. And it seems like MLS prices are kind of down. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, I think the preseason MLS run really, not like really mess people up, but I feel like part of the reason that a lot of MLS cards are not selling now is because it was a lot of people who bought in that run-up. And the run-up was completely understandable because we had more users than ever mm -hmm. with a league that hadn't been active when all of these users came in. Well, and they weren't selling the good cards because they were either out of them or they were saving them for rewards or whatever. So they, they, the only supply of the Andre Blake's and the whatever card that you wanted, Joseph Martinez was you, you had to pick those players up from other users. Yeah. So once they started, you know, once they got the new cards and started flooding those out there, I shouldn't use that word flooding those out there. When they started putting them out there, um, you know, prices came down because people had already started to acquire those from other users and the pressure was lower. Right. And I think the pr problem is that <clears throat> the people who bought those cards don't want to take massive losses selling them now. Yeah. And so that might lead to a little. Or don't want to take additional risk on by buying more. Right. Yeah. Right. Especially if they are pretty much only trying to get through the summer before the Euro. Um before the Euro season start up, because I think there are a fair number of people who play MLS and J League now and K League because it's on, not because they particularly want these cards, but if if they can get rid of them for their Euro cards, what, what they yeah. actually care about, then we can do that. Uh, I was going to go through this list of guys. Do we even want to go through it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, pull, you can pull a list up. We don't have to go through every single one, but you know, it's it's an interesting look at all the MLS U23s that are going and staying. And I thought it was kind of nice. Yeah. So the my favorite page here, and we'll uh, we'll bring it up on so rare data because, of course, there's a page on so rare data that tells us all this. But this is the player rankings for those of you who are watching, for those listening. You're going to have to use your imagination or just follow along. But if you just go to so rare data, there's that scout. Uh, link up at the top and then player rankings. That's what this page is. And then we can actually just click this wonderful button, U23 eligible. Now this is still showing the guys. Oh, maybe it's not. No, it looks like he just recently <laughs> updated it. HD knew we were coming. Oh man. So anyway, so now these are the best U23 guys left. I was going to ask him when he was going to do that. and we, were, <laughs> we tried to do that. So you sent me a list. This was great. I apologize for everybody. So basically, uh, this list was still had the current, the, the 24s in it mm -hmm. as of, I don't know, earlier today. Like two hours ago. Right. <laughs> right. And Andy sent me a, an Excel spreadsheet of like, here's the top 100, but I took all the 24s out and we can talk about it. And he's like, I'm sure by the time... We actually talk about it. This spreadsheet will be obsolete. And here we are talking about it. And the spreadsheet is completely obsolete. HG <laughs> nailed it again. I just, it's amazing what this guy is able to do. But anyway, so these are the guys you want. And if you saw the list, I wish I saved it from earlier. Uh, I think Wendell was third. But I think something like nine of the top 12 were are now gone. Yeah. And... Like there are some high impact players that were gone and I wanted to, 
uh, of course you can uh, sort this. We were, I was going to talk about MLS since that's kind of where we are. And somebody mentioned uh, Mueller. We talked about Lille, but the list is like much, much shorter now that all of those guys are taken out. Like I think uh, trusty here is eight. That guy is just killing me. Yeah. Um, Cause I gave up on him, but I think he was uh, in the uh, high teens or early twenties before the list switched over. So of course it is just turning into a plug now for so rare data. If you're looking for U 23s, just use yeah. this page. Right. I think that the top five players on, I mean, you sort by each position, top five players in each position are going to get a nice bump in their value. Um, I think it might water down a little bit after that, but I mean, you get that page right there. Um, this is my know. favorite one. Oh, goalkeepers. Yeah. <laughs> Only one. And I think part of the reason for that is to qualify for the rankings page. You have to play in at least 10 or 15 games or something like that. Like there's, I assume you have to have like a last five average. Yeah. There, there's, there's a minimum number of games you have to play. Seven. It says it right here. There we go. Ah, but I'll go to at least the, the longer list here of all goalkeepers, yeah. goalkeeper, excuse me. And there's Tani. Tani and Oki and yeah. It's yeah. uh, it's not a long list. It's really not. 20. And that these aren't even all starters is the problem. Yeah, number 20 is relegated. Place for yep. Dijon. Yep. And I don't think Illich is guaranteed to start. Murich is on loan from or was on loan from Man City. Yeah. He needs a new job. The number Jack five on the list was Anatoly Trubin, and he, he should be getting transferred to a big league, I think, this summer. But Supposed to be, yeah. I mean, who knows? He might not. Right. You got a, you got a Ukrainian for another year. Yep. But it's a, a pretty weak list overall. But these guys are going to be the stars soon because – we have that these are the people that they're competing against. So. Right. Or we're going to get some other new random tier three Kikuchi guy. That's going to come in and take over the world here. We'll see. Jimmer will certainly remind us of it. Yes. His tier three Kikuchi reward. <laughs> ah. Oh yeah. I have this guy, Sebastian Szymanski. I forgot about him. Yeah. He's there too. I actually bought him as a challenger Europe midfielder who just happened to be U23, not the other way around. Right. But I still don't know if it's the right decision or not because I haven't even used it yet. Like, I literally bought these guys all at the end of the season. So they got me like one game. I actually won a card in U23 in like either the last game week or the second to last with these guys I was picking up basically for this coming season because I had them. Do you think that you got better deals on them in the last week of the season or should you have waited till like right now? So I absolutely not now. Yeah. What I, I have a spreadsheet that I keep that so rare data has made obsolete. If you've heard that before, but it was basically a watch list and my watch list was guys. I was in, you know, the player name, last sale price, lowest offer price on so rare data and the, on so rare and the date. And I was using this basically to track prices to see if anyone was going down that I might be able to get cheap and whatnot. And I bought a few guys on the list that uh, I thought were at the bottom. And then it went a little lower, like right when the season ended. But 
I looked again at the prices that are there now and obvi- and I have everything listed in in ETH so obviously the price of ETH will affect what it is but I pretty much buy everything in ETH so that's how I keep track of it. I can't get any of these guys remotely close to where I have yeah. them from my last update. Like I I don't I haven't really updated since end of May like it's been about a month maybe a little more and these prices are all gone. They're all much higher than than they were before. Any any guesses why is the market just stronger than we thought, or um, so, why, so why is that? I had this theory that the the fact that they didn't play actually helps them because they're. You, if you look at a guy who had like a great end to the season, let's say, so he's got a last five of you know sixty five seventy. He's had no, there's nothing, nothing has happened. So his, his average is still very high, but we, his utility today is the same as it was at the end of the season. Before the end of the season, it was like, it was, he was doing well, but like, oh, the season's ending. So I got a little bit of a, this is going to be over soon. But as soon as it ended, like the day after the season, he was much more expensive because nothing changes now. Like it's already been built in. And so now it's like, all right, everybody got there. And it felt like to me, it was like, everybody got their end of season cards. We're going to price these back up again. Right. They got their end of season discount and now everything's kind of flattened out, I guess. Right. And it, I mean, it, it obviously timed with MLS people wanting to buy MLS cards. So like, let me sell some European cards so that I can buy MLS and J league and K league. But we don't really have that now because MLS is in the middle. Like the season doesn't, the end of the, the end of the Euro season is close enough to the beginning of MLS and was basically in line with when the new MLS cards came out that because they obviously didn't come out when the season started. Right. But with MLS, like we're selling our MLS cards in the middle of a season in order to buy European cards, if that's what you want to do. So I'm not sure we're going to see the same drop in MLS prices. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know they're not they don't they don't auction any of those cards off that you just mentioned that you bought. So um, right. like if I want to buy a Lacongo card, I, I'm having I have to go to the secondary market. Which um, if you know supply and demand says that you know if there's supply is lower, then prices are going to be higher. So if it's only the cards that are on secondary, then I, I got to pay that price. Right. I can't and, get a deal on an auction, you know, deals are gone. <laughs> and there just seems to be little competition to sell cards. Yeah. People seem to be undercutting each other for MLS cards because they want to get out of them. But the European cards, if there's only two on the market and you're not really like desperate to sell, like you don't need to lower your prices at all. Yeah, that's but a really good point. I just don't see the the European price desperation in yeah, terms and of sellers. A, a good example of that is like I'll list a European player that like, you know, I don't mind losing, but I'll price them at like above fair mark, like above the market price or whatever. And it's just like, Hey, you can buy them at that price. If you want, I'm the lowest on the market have at it. Um, and I'll get offers for some of these guys and they're like, Hey, you know, the market value of him is actually, you know, X and you're asking for Y. And it's just like, Hey, I'm the only one on the market. I'm not moving. <laughs> and that usually results in me not selling a card, but <laughs> I've also had cards that end up selling that way too. So 
I, I was gonna say, I think it's completely reasonable. I, not that I think we need to justify the prices that we post in, but I've said that to people before that they're, you know, it's, if my card is the lowest on the market, but I know that it's 2X the last sale and 2X the last five sales. Somebody comes to me and they're like, will you sell it for closer to the last sale? And I was like, I pretty much am just out here because if somebody wants to pay this ridiculous price, I'm going to take it. But no, I'm not actually looking for this price. And I think people who are adamant about being the lowest price, even if it's 2X the last sale, don't really want to sell cards. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got a question here. It's slightly off topic. When do you guys uh, think I should buy players for the upcoming European seasons? And what is the most affordable league you think to start off in? Uh, affordable European league? I would say Eredivisie um, or Belgium. Uh, affordable overall? I don't know. Maybe K-League? That's just a guess. I really don't know. But I I think that the Eredivisie has like some good young players that you can – um, tap into and start building, building off of. I think the benefit of the Eredivisie, excuse me, and the Jupiler League is their high scoring leagues. Yeah. And so if you, like if you're playing all-star and, and I guess it applies to challenger because, you know, like the Turkish league isn't, you know, as high scoring, the Russian premier league is not as high scoring as what we see in the Netherlands and Belgium. But I think the, yeah, those are the leagues to go to. The problem with the Jupiler League is that you and all the original guys know that league. And so yeah. there's no knowledge edge there. Right. Because but, it's been around but a long There's a huge supply uh, there. So that's true. Um, you can get players at a lower price just based on the supply being huge. Like if I go enlist a Gianni Bruno. Um, there's probably going to be three people that undercut me on price within, you know, maybe not minutes, but probably over the course of the two days of that auction, I'm going to get undercut. Gianni Bruno was one of the cards I bought at the end of last season. Yeah. Nice. And it's like tripled now because of his transfer. I mean, tripled in the sense that I'm not actually selling this card. Right. But yeah. Uh, if it's champion Europe, the, the problem with Champion Europe, there's just not enough teams. Right. And so. Well, kind of you can go try to make a value team, but then you're just going to not win because <laughs> you're playing against really, really ridiculously good teams. And uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to make uh, Sam mentions a mid-tier Serie A team, I guess you can make a team and, you know, I don't know. Make, buy some Valencia players from La Liga and they're pretty cheap too. But like, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't think you're going to be very competitive. I think if you're somebody who only pays attention to the top five leagues in Europe, then buying value champion Europe players for global all-star is like, I guess the way to go, but there's no reason to ever try to compete in challenge in a uh, champion Europe with, mid-level champion Europe cards. Like the the upper tier of champion Europe is so much better than the mid-tier. And then you're just kind of paying a champion Europe premium to enter global all-star 
when there are guys in the Netherlands or Portugal that score just as well and cost a, a fraction of the price. Yeah. He says, imagine to compete in champion, I need at least one ETH. I think probably more than that, personally. Like, if you really want to be defined competitive, but I think you could build, like, a value defensive stack and really just, like, you know, pick a team and hope that they get a clean sheet and find, like, some good um, high floor midfielder and forward. But, man, I, I had some great weeks where I scored, you know, uh, 350 plus last season and didn't get prizes. Uh, I know reward structure has changed quite a bit and those teams probably would get rewards, but then you're still just scooping, you know, on your, on your perfect nut lineup, you're getting a tier three rare, like, eh, it's not the upside you're really looking for. I think goalkeeper is the biggest part of that. Yeah, for sure. Like the, the list of champion Europe goalkeepers is short. We don't we don't have that many licensed teams, and so what do you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, we have <laughs> derailed from the top. Yeah, we have. <laughs> um, there are uh, some Twitter questions out there. If we want to hit those. Oh, there were. I sent it to you, which I thought yeah. was a great question. Now, I, do you have it there? Yeah. Um, we'll start off the top. I'm curious if you are targeting any U23 goalkeepers in the MLS that may get playing time during the gold cup, similar to how Brandon Austin is playing during uh, Galicia's duty with Peru. Um, I know you are. Yes, I, I am. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much just Hazel and, and Matt freeze, I think are the, are the only options. And the, the hesitancy I have with all these guys, actually the one, I forget what his name is now. The third stringer in Atlanta. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Rios, I think his name was. Yeah. So, is he, so he started the season as the backup because Alec Khan was hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think he actually played one of the Champions League games because he Kazan did. had a red card. Yep. So I was I in think, early season. Did he play both games? Like he, he played the half of the game that Guzan yes. got the red in, and then he played the next – like he started the next game. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so – I've seen some people mention him. I, I assume he's the backup. I think the difficulty is that we just don't know with most of these guys that um, we we end up hoping that they're the backup, but we saw a uh, knock on wood here because I have them. But the when Stefan Fry went down, everyone thought Spencer Ritchie was or Spencer Ritchie was the backup. And then all of a sudden Stefan Cleveland got the start. What do, you, what do you want to bet a lot of the true backups are playing in USL to get time? So I'm glad you brought that up. So, and this, uh, what is this, Skate Perez too? So is, he said, is Barraza the backup for New York? He is not U23. He was U23 as of yesterday, but he, yeah. correct. He is not U23 anymore. He I, should be playing for Sean Johnson, who got called up. So Barraza at one point last week had the red X on his name because he was playing USL matches for New York's USL team, which I believe is in Oakland, California, which seems like the opposite of like Major League Baseball. And right, League bizarre. Teams. Anyway, uh, so yes, we've seen that before where they pretty much keep their real backup. You know, if something happened longer term, the backup plays USL just to like keep them fresh. And mm-hmm. 
we just don't know what these guys with the the teams had, that are going. I had so many people trying to rip me off on Barraza. They were like, "Well, he he plays USL now. He's not the backup." And I was just like, "Okay, get out of here." I, <laughs> I I don't want to like give away my strategy here because I think it's a good one, but I don't see the value. Let me. I'll. I see the value. I, I, this is going to sound like pompous, and I don't want to come off this way, but I generally don't buy backup goalkeepers to sell them for expensive backup goalkeeper prices. Like I buy a backup goalkeeper with the hope that he becomes the starter and either I can play him or I sell him as a starter. And we saw this with um, Clement Giop now, who I also have, who is out, which is why I I was tilting all, all week. But uh, what's this guy's name? James Pantemis? James? I apologize to him. But anyway. He's the backup. He is now the starter. He's now selling, like auctioning for more than Jop is. Yeah. And he was, so he's had a card this whole time. So anybody could have had it. Did I handcuff? No, of course not. I don't do that. So, but people were basically selling him for, you know, if they bought him for 0.15, and that is, excuse me, 0.015, and then they'll put it on the market for like 0.03. And it's like, is that enough? Why, why even take the risk, you know, is surely your 0.015 could be used elsewhere where you're just buying this back of goalie and then you're only selling it for 0.03 where now you can sell them for 0.2, 0.25. See, yeah, but I, there is something to that strategy. If you know, like the guy that was buying all the New England uh, backups. Uh, yeah, Gator guy. Remember. Yeah, Gator guy. Uh, he had a good strategy there, and he knew that uh, – uh, what's his face? Uh, Matt Turner. Matt Turner was going to Gold Cup, and he was right. He called his shot, and he was right, and uh, now he's going to be able to I, – I, I imagine he's flipping these cards, um, but hope, he's – there's no way – there's no way he loses on this. He's going to make money selling all these, these cards because they're going to be starters for a month, and – Certainly, they're going to sell for more than he bought them for, you know, mm-hmm. a month ago, two months ago, three months ago. So he's going to make money there that he can turn into starting goalkeeper that is a real starting goalkeeper or something else. But I think there is value in those plays, but you just have to be very strategic um, with how it plays out, basically. Sure. But in that situation, if you buy Brad Knighton three months ago for 0.02, don't sell them for 0.025. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I f- figure out whatever the, the, the mark, wherever the market is and then undercut it. Right. Um, it's going to be a heck of a lot more than 0.025. I think. Sure. Sure. It should be. Uh, and he has like 40 of them. So it's really, you know, yeah. <laughs> I like the strategy though. It's, it, it makes a ton of sense, but it kind of played, I mean, it's what I've always thought about with goalkeepers anyway. Like he, he, I don't think he ever owned Matt Turner. Yeah. There was, I don't think he even cared to, right. but he knew that Turner was going to be gone at some point, which is, you know, right. that's, that's much sharper than what I did and just, you know, bought backups and hoped somebody got the stomach bug or something. But, yeah. So I don't really hope they get hurt, but <laughs> anyway. Um, one other question here. Um, well, I guess two other questions, but we kind of answered one of them. Uh, do you expect there to be a significant market hit to the guys? No longer U23, like Leal, Medina, Salua. Uh, we, I think we kind of addressed that already. And then one last question from John Morris. How long-term 
of a view do you generally take when coming up with a valuation for U23s? What variables do you think make a player's long-term value more or less certain? I love that question. Do you, I'm going to add on to that question or I'll interrupt it first. If you buy a U23 player, do you think of how long you can play him for like in so rare or how long you can play him in U23? Yeah, how long you can play him in U23, I think, is the most important because it's it's shorter term. And really what's like, it should be important to most of us is, is I don't want to say like really short term, but, you know, like semi, semi short term, you know, a year out, two years out. And when you can play a player two years out in U23, great. And it means that, you know, in a year, if I want to sell him, he's still U23 and he's still going to have that, that badge. It'll help, help his card sell. So um, I don't think, I, I really don't think 10 years out, like, Oh, I have this Alfonso Davies. I'll still be using him in 10 years. You know, I, I really hope he retires back to the MLS so I can use Alfonso Davies in champion America. I don't think like Yeah. <laughs> My kids can use them then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> After he pays to send them to college, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I guess I, I guess my question was less was less how many years they have in U twenty three, and do you actually think of where you'll play them when they're not U twenty three anymore? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I bought Chris Mueller uh, like a month ago, uh, his super rare card, and I probably overpaid for it, but I really wanted the card because it made sense for some of my lineups. And uh, I knew full well that, hey, I'm only going to get to use him for a month in U23. But I have really good ways of using him in both Champion America and All-Star. So, um, yeah, for sure. Definitely definitely take that into consideration when I buy them. And did you – do you consider the league at all? I mean, Mueller obviously was MLS. But, like, if you're buying European U23s, is it – do you actually put a – premium on challenger U23s because you think that they'll be better challenger Europe players than I, champion? I put a premium on guys that I don't think are good enough to transfer. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's Chris great. Mueller. It's great though. Yeah. Chris like, Mueller, I don't think he's good enough to go play in Europe. Um, I thought the same about Jordan Morris and I, I paid big for his super rare and that really backfired last year. And it was just that, that whole deal was super unfortunate for him yeah. and for, you know, everyone. But um, Chris Mueller, I, I don't feel like he's good enough to play overseas. And I, I those are the players that I want in either U23 or even just in MLS and and specifically like Diego Rossi scares the crap out of me. Um, he's expensive and he could go to Europe and sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. And that card is useless then. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it, there is something nice about having an unambitious player <laughs> or a player that's just not quite good enough or not sexy enough to go play in Europe. And uh, we, I think you and I talked about Atuesta a few days yep. back. Uh, and uh, I think you made the comment that he could transfer to another league. And my, my comment was, eh, but he, I don't think he's going to Europe. Maybe South America is what we kind of agreed upon. And I don't know how much that, how much of a change that is for, for him, but I do think, I do think change is typically bad for a player when they change leagues. It's typically bad for their SO5 scores for mm-hmm. the short term. Right. No, I think that makes perfect sense. And 
I, so I'm an Arsenal supporter, I guess. And I have this Lokanga card and he is, all these rumors are like, he's going Arsenal and I'm furious. (laughs) I think it just kills it because like, I don't want an, I don't want a champion Europe midfielder. I, it, I think of my cards way too much utility and I'm not competing in champion Europe. And I, the card, he's not going to do nearly as well in the premier league as he did in the JPL. I have a perfect example for you. Go look at Gabriel's numbers when he played for Lille and go look at Gabriel's numbers, his SO5 scores when he transferred to Arsenal. It's they're considerably different. He rested a ton more when he was with Arsenal. Like he played every other game. He was only playing certain games and, uh, and his SO5 scores took a massive hit. So Mm -hmm. um, that's a great, great example of what, what you just said. It's such a funny concept of like, I need a U23 guy who's not good enough quite to make it in somewhere else. Yeah. We're just not ambitious enough. Like totally content where they are. You think that's Noah Lang's path? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) But I think he, I think he does stay maybe another year in, in the Belgian league. We'll see. Um, That's not a prediction. And I don't actually, I have not been watching his transfer rumors at all, but um, I don't know. I I see he was playing in their preseason games or training the team and everything. So it just kind of makes me hope that he's going to stay. One I just know that every time I think I have a good lineup, it's like, oh, Noah Lang hasn't played yet. And then yeah. I don't have such a good lineup anymore. Right. Oh, well. Uh, anything else? We Oh, wait. Uh, oh, we, did, we got a last-minute question. Do you guys think the market for players in the Gold Cup is going to go down? Seems like a good opportunity to be, to, yeah, opportunity to be able to buy and flip some good name cards. No. I don't think they're getting cheap. I was looking I've been looking at uh who was I looking for? Gaeze maybe whatever it is, all the guys who are leaving that I'm interested in are not getting any cheaper. And I'm still bummed that they just that they don't offer gold cup contests. Like yeah, me too. Like if I were gonna sell Andre Blake, um who I don't own, but if I if I were were going to sell him, I don't think now would be the time that I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna sell him now that he's not playing. I think I think if I were being strategic, I might have done it a few weeks ago up leading up to the Gold Cup. But I think now that the Gold Cup's here, I, I wouldn't there's I don't I just don't feel like there's enough buying pressure for me to like think that I can sell him for fair market price. I probably just wouldn't list him. Yeah, that makes sense. And the tournament's not even that long. Yeah, it's, it's what, three weeks, a month, three or four like weeks, yeah. So yeah. if you can get through it, then just get through it. But yeah, I don't I don't think uh I don't think we're going to see much of a, a decrease in prices. In fact, it'll it'll be the opposite. We'll see. I think we see an increase in guys who will get, you know, a little bit of more playing time coming up. I mean, obviously the goalies, we we have that situation, but sure, we're sharp enough to say who fills in for Eric Williamson in Portland, and because he's been crushing. And if they can fill in those scores, then obviously you uh, you can I get some that, cheaper points. That same Brano guy has been subbing on for him, maybe. Yep. So that might be the guy. I don't know. Don't don't hold me to the fire on that one. <laughs> Black recommended this guy. <laughs> Do not buy this guy. I did not <laughs> recommend him. <laughs> not investment advice. Yes. Right. Um, 
All right. I got nothing else. Yep. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Uh, this has been the So Rare Andrews podcast brought to you by Rotowire. I am Andrew. You can find me on Twitter at Rotowire Andrew. You can find me in the So Rare Discord uh, under Laerdino. That's Andy. Oh, that's Andy. This mirror thing is always uh, weird to me. Uh, you can find him uh, at ablack86 on Twitter. He's at Black in the So Rare Discord and on So Rare. Um, we will be back next week. Thursday with another topic. We don't have one yet, I don't think, actually. So, oh no, we were gonna. What were we? we mentioned maybe Gold Cup, but that might be there. There might not be enough content there for us to to go for an hour on Gold yeah. Cup. Especially so we're doing these Gold Cups not covered. Right. right. <laughs> we're doing these live. Uh, so everybody who is watching on YouTube, if you could please uh, hit the like button below. Feel free to come back. Uh, the, I think the conversation this week in the chat was more active than we've been. So thank you guys for participating in that. If you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, uh, if you could please rate and review it wherever you listen. So Andy, that was fun. And I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See you. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.